Love Babs, love talk on Babs Rose Ivy. I'm delighted this morning because I got uh, uh, Alden uh, Pinkham from the um, the the Connecticut Veterans Legal Center uh, to come on and talk to me because they they uh, I think they're part of a study or they launched a study. Anyway, I, I I this is what I know from the press release and and from looking up on their website that uh, March second. Uh, an announcement from the Department of Veterans Affairs um, formed a Veterans Administration equity team to investigate discrimination and establish policies to uh, further equity in the VA benefit system. And so, and 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 because of that, it, uh, it this reflects one of the recommendations from uh, the Connecticut Veterans Legal Center. Uh, 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 discretionary injustice how racial disparities in the military's administrative separation system harms black veterans. And so they put this out back in November, 20, uh, 2022 uh, in partnership with black with the black veterans uh, project. And so when I got word of this, I, I immediately wanted to uh, talk to them about this. So, you know what, share some more light on this Alden. What, what, what am I to take away and understand from this? Thanks, Babs, and thanks for having us on the show. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Alden Pinkham. I'm a staff attorney and policy analyst at Connecticut Veterans Legal Center. Um, we are a local legal services organization. Um, our mission is to help veterans recovering, recovering from homelessness and mental illness overcome legal barriers to housing, health care, and income. Um, I've been with the center a little bit over two years. I work primarily with veterans who did not get an honorable discharge when they ended their military service. And this has a tremendous impact on their ability to access services through the VA. So that's healthcare, compensation for service-connected disabilities, and even other services that help veterans um, reintegrate into the community like um, access to education and access to home loans. And I realized um, through the work that we were doing that a number of our clients, a disproportionate number of our clients who had these less than honorable discharges were veterans of color. So we had a hunch that there might be a disparity there. Um, and for this report, we got data from the Department of Defense to see what was happening. And what it showed is that there indeed is a disparity. So black service members in particular are more likely to get what we call these bad paper discharges when they leave service. And that means that they then have trouble accessing the veteran the, the veterans benefits that they deserve. <laughs> so, okay, so you find out that a disproportionate number of black veterans were uh, dishonorably discharged. Oh, quick correction. Um, not dishonorably discharged. 
So maybe it will help if I talk about the different kinds of discharge. Oh, that would, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So certainly I, um, I am not a veteran. I, I didn't serve. Um, and so when I started this work, I had kind of the general idea that I think a lot of um, civilians have mm-hmm. that you can leave service with an honorable discharge or a dishonorable discharge, but it's not that simple. Um, there is something called a dishonorable discharge. Very, very few people wind up with one. Um, it's essentially the military's equivalent of a felony. You have to be discharged by a court martial. There's a judge who looks at it and sentences you to a dishonorable discharge. Um, there's a similar one called bad conduct, which is kind of like the military's equivalent of a misdemeanor. It also requires a sentence at court. Very few people, less than 1% of all service members wind up with a bad conduct or dishonorable discharge. Instead, what we see is veterans receiving administrative separations. And these can be something called a general discharge or an other than honorable discharge. A general discharge means you can get virtually all of the VA benefits, except you cannot get education benefits. So if you were hoping for the government to help you pay for college with a general discharge, that's not possible. Really? That's right. Um, And our study showed that um, Black veterans are receiving general discharges at disproportionate rates. So general discharges are not behavioral things? like They can be, yeah, you would get it for generally some type of misconduct or perceived misconduct in service. And same thing for an other than an other than honorable discharge, which is a step worse from general. With an other than honorable discharge, the VA actually presumes that you are not a veteran. So to be eligible for anything, you have to prove to VA that you're worthy. And we see essentially only one in five veterans who got an other than honorable discharge are able to get VA benefits to the same extent as other veterans. So other than honorable in particular is a, a really heavy blow. Wow. I did not know this old. I, this is not public knowledge, is it? I mean, I guess it's public knowledge, but it's not in our everyday practical awareness of what we think discharge is when people leave military service. Right. It's it's much more complicated than you would expect. And there are um, far fewer procedural safeguards to protect veterans uh, from getting an other than honorable or a general discharge when they didn't deserve it. So your role in this is to go back and look at individual cases as they come to your desk? Right. So that's part of my role at CVLC is to assist these veterans. And I I do that in two ways. One option is we go to the VA and ask the VA to do something called a characterization of discharge, where we um, essentially try to convince VA to treat this someone, to treat this veteran as being discharged under honorable conditions. And sometimes that will help. It's very helpful to have an attorney. Um, I think most veterans, when this happens, they might apply for a VA benefit. 
VA then sends them a letter saying, we have to decide if your discharge was honorable or not. Um, and then the veteran doesn't request a hearing and doesn't send in any evidence. And then the only thing the VA has is the veteran's military file and guess whose side of the story that is. Yeah. That's the side of the commander, the supervisor who discharged the veteran. Um, the other thing that we can also do is to go back to the veterans service branch and request a formal discharge upgrade. So this would issue the veteran a new separation document called a DD-214 that would have a better discharge on it. So basically get that veteran a new honorable discharge. And we can do that in a variety of ways. Um, discharge upgrades can often be successful if something happened in service that was mental health related. So same somebody had an untreated mental health condition, then often we can get them um, an upgraded discharge because the military is beginning to recognize that if you have, say, untreated PTSD, then you might have some behaviors that look like misconduct and got you that bad discharge to start with. But what the service branches don't have is any guidance on when to upgrade someone's discharge if they allege that discrimination was in play. So, okay. So what is your caseload like? My caseload is primarily veterans who have um, an other than honorable discharge and experienced something in the service. So that could be uh, sexual harassment or sexual assault. Um, it could be significant combat trauma or some other type of trauma that occurred during service or veterans who experienced discrimination based on race or gender or LGBTQ status. Mm. So on the policy side, Alden, uh, as you are coming across what is happening to people, are you are you trying to implement or institute or change minds and hearts about a policy being put in place where none exist? Yes. So this is <laughs> part of what we hope um, to do through this report. So we looked at this to see what's what's going on when it comes to race and discharge, and we found and and we looked at recent years. This is not these are not statistics from you know World War II or Vietnam. These are statistics from 2014 to 2020. So in 2014 to 2020, black service members were approximately 1.5 times as likely as white service members to receive that other than honorable discharge. That's the one that you risk not accessing any VA benefits. And they were twice as likely as white service members to receive a general discharge, which means you don't get those education benefits, which can be so crucial for financial stability. Um, we really think that there's a lot the government can do to rectify this. Um, one I've already mentioned, the Department of Defense doesn't have any guidance on when to upgrade someone's discharge on the basis of race. If somebody experienced direct discrimination or just implicit bias in service, um, we know that can change. Um, here in Connecticut, Conley Monk, who's uh, one of the co-founders of the National Veterans Council for Legal Redress, already helped change this when it came to mental health, 
they used to not consider mental health as a reason for discharge upgrades either, but now there's very specific guidance about when they should do that. We need something similar for race discrimination. On the VA side, VA also needs to look into how they are treating veterans that are going through their own character of discharge process. VA needs to have guidance on when to consider a veteran honorable for VA purposes because of implicit bias or explicit race discrimination in service. Um, VA also, frankly, has the option to just decide to serve veterans with other than honorable discharges. It's not a requirement that they not serve them. It's VA's own decision. So VA could revise their regulations to get rid of their own gatekeeping barrier to VA benefits. And then finally, there's a lot that Congress could do. Um, Congress could authorize further research into historical disparities. Our own study, we just looked, like I said, going back to 2014, but there are living veterans from World War II still. Um, Congress could also pass the GI Bill Restoration Act because going back to your World War II era veterans, even those with honorable discharges, black veterans couldn't access um, housing opportunities and educational opportunities because of um, systemic racism in society at large. So a lot of them and their descendants missed out on those benefits, even though they didn't have the bad discharge. And the GI Bill Restoration Act would help rectify some of that. So, so you, am I to understand that the U.S. military complex system understands this? Like they understand where there, where there's problems. They, they should. Um, the military itself has studied race disparities and administrative separations going all the way back to the 70s, but they have not changed it. And why? What is the thinking? Too many people? I mean, I'm just trying to, I mean, this just doesn't seem rational to me. So it isn't, it isn't rational. Of it. <laughs> it's, um, I think, Babs, what happens is the, the military prides itself on its ability to maintain good order and discipline. Okay. Individual supervisors do need to be able to make decisions so that the military can function, uh, particularly in times of conflict. So the system that we have allows for supervisors. Um, supervisors may be very young. Um, folks in their 20s to make determinations um, about when a person is underperforming. And what we've seen in the mental health context in particular is that individuals with untreated mental health conditions, they might be late for duty. They might be self-medicating that untreated mental health condition. And the military interprets all of this as misconduct. And when a supervisor decides that someone has committed misconduct, it's not questioned. Um, what we see with um, implicit bias in, in the racial context is that supervisors also have the ability to overlook misconduct if someone is otherwise performing well. So we see circumstances where veterans tell me, well, look, um, so I have, I have a client who um, 
received something called non-judicial punishment, which is basically, um, it's not a court-martial, um, hence non-judicial punishment, but formal punishment for talking to his, he was, he was posted on guard duty stateside. So at a, a U.S. military base in the United States, not in a conflict zone, not in a war zone. And his fiance walked past the gate while he was on guard duty. He had a conversation with her and he was penalized for this. But white service members had conversations with people while they were on guard duty all the time. They were not penalized. So technically it's a violation of the rules and you can be punished for that, but that punishment isn't meted out equally to all. Um, I've also seen, usually in, in some of the older records that I've seen where black veterans are given written warnings because of their hair, for example. Um, so it is sometimes true that there is some misconduct in the record that somebody did something that's technically wrong, um, but it's not always done fairly. And that's very difficult to pick up on in, on an individual case. So going back to your original question, like why hasn't DOD done anything about this? Um, I think it's because it requires second guessing the motives of individual supervisors um, in, their, in their units. So this makes it very challenging um, for veterans who want to seek an upgraded discharge because the paper trail doesn't say, oh, I punished this person, but I, you know, for talking to his fiance outside guard duty, but I didn't punish all of these other people. It just says he violated this rule. Mm. So out of the study, you made recommenda recommendations to the Department of Defense, recommendations for the Department of Veter Veteran Affairs, and recommendations for Congress. So now is this, is this the lobbying part where you have to get this in front of them and then re-educate them about what this means? And, and does it go anywhere? And do you come back with more data because you followed this over an, another period of time and then you come back with more recommendations? Like, how does this, how do, how, how do you get to uh, implementation of anything? Yes, yeah, so we're um, seeking ways to get the findings from the study out there um, to reach decision makers. Um, I'm glad that you asked about follow-up studies because we do have one in mind um, and we're um, hoping to get funding to achieve this. So the study that we did is a statistical study. Um, we found these disparities, they are statistically significant. Um, what we want to do next is more of a qualitative study. So we want to talk to black veterans about their experiences in service so we can kind of drill down with more specificity how these biases are operating. So when someone's in service, um, you know, I, I gave a few examples, there's some disparate punishment, there's picking on things like um, picking on their hair, you're playing your music too loud, things of, things of that nature. Um, but I want to hear more from veterans themselves about what happened. Were they assigned to more menial duties? 
Mm. How does this disparity add up? How do we wind up in a place where um, the military record on paper looks like it justifies this discharge? So I want to do this type of qualitative study um, with veterans to understand what it really looks like on the ground from their point of view. So that's our next step. So what do you hear? What do you hear from veteran affairs who work directly with veterans, particularly black veterans? What do they say? Like, do they, do they say, you know what? I understand. I hear this. We're trying to do all that we can, or do they just not acknowledge anything? Like, I'm just trying to understand what is the relationship like? Is there a relationship between um, what they know and what they can change and, 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 and who's paying attention? Yeah, so that's a great question and a hard one to answer. Nobody has acknowledged to me personally um, any, any inclination that VA could be at fault here. Because VA is not responsible for the original discharge that the service member gets. VA is responsible for what happens in their own house. And that is the system they've set up where a veteran with an other than honorable discharge, um, and we know that that might not be deserved, has to then prove their worth to VA. Um, so like I said before, this is due to a VA regulation. VA can change that regulation. We have asked them to. and um, there is a regulatory change that has been pending now for more than a year. If VA would rescind the regulation that bars veterans with an other than honorable discharge from VA benefits, then they don't have to go and parse whether a veteran is worthy or unworthy. They can just say, welcome to the VA. Um, when it comes to education benefits, that is based on a statute. Only Congress could change that, not VA. But for other than honorably discharged veterans, this is by and large within the VA's control. Um, I think that their new internal um, group looking at equity is a start. Um, I hope that they are looking at their character of discharge decisions. I know that they're looking at um, some statistics related to the VA granting service connection for PTSD at lower rates. Uh, when the veteran is black versus when they're white, which is also a start. Mm. I see Gary. Is Gary joining us or is he just lingering? I'm just trying to, I see him in the, in the, on the space. So I'm not sure. Cause I, I got two names from folks and I don't know if he's just listening in or. No, I'm here and uh, just uh, sitting here patiently listening and um, appreciating the information that's being brought forth, it's its really cutting edge what uh, CBLC is doing. And Attorney Alden has been a stand for veterans' uh, rights and transformation of what the landscape looks like for veterans that's dealing with getting these, uh, what, what we call bad papers. And um, so I'm standing here or sitting here and actually I'm enjoying it because the conversation needs to be played forward. It's uh, very, very unfortunate that a man that decides to go, or a woman decides to go serve their country, has to deal with fighting their country after going to fight for their country, for their rights, 
for benefits. This is like services have been rendered. So why are we dealing with this? So yes, I'm very much so here. Well, welcome. So Alden, is this a is this a is this a budget problem? Is this a money problem? Is this if we open the door, we won't be able to afford to do all the things that we need to do for veterans because it'll be too expensive? I'm just trying to create some scenarios for understanding. I mean, I think there are some who would say that that a veteran with an other than honorable discharge doesn't deserve uh to receive compensation for a disability, even if they got that disability in service to their country and it prevents them from working. There were some who would say that it's too expensive to provide those veterans with healthcare, even though that's what we promised when they enlisted. Um, but it costs a lot of money to run the military of this country. If we are going to ask people to enlist, then we should treat them fairly and we should give them the services that we promised on their enlistment. And that's my opinion. That's my opinion too, Alden, because I just feel like when you go sign up, if, if imagine if they put all these pitfalls, like, well, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen. I don't know if people would sign up. Yeah, and it's the, the thing that I want to stress too is an other than honorable discharge, you don't get it because a neutral judge looked at the evidence and decided you were guilty. It's an administrative separation. Um, it's like the military decided to fire you. So you don't get a lot of protection before that happens, but the cost is very, very high. Um, if the military has evidence of wrongdoing, they may choose to court-martial you and put that evidence before a judge and you could get a punitive discharge. Um, and that would bar um, most, most individuals with a punitive discharge are not eligible for veterans benefits unless there's a serious mental health issue um, that occurred um, explaining the conduct. But what we're talking about is essentially someone's supervisor. We, we've created a scenario where someone's supervisor just doesn't like them, catches them out with a few instances of potentially very minor misconduct, and then that person is barred from VA benefits. And people, supervisors understand that they have this power. I, I think not always, actually. Um, I think some supervisors may not realize the impact of an other than honorable discharge on the veteran. Mm. Um, I've talked to veterans who are told, eh, you know, listen, just take the other than honorable. You can get it upgraded later. Won't be a problem. That's false. It's a massive problem. Um, it's not a guarantee or even um, a probability that someone will be able to get their discharge upgraded. So I think in some cases, supervisors may not realize um, how punishing and other than honorable discharges. Um, in other cases, they're perfectly aware because I've seen it in their paperwork where supervisors have written I don't think this veteran deserves a better discharge because I don't think that they should get anything from VA. And they're perfectly aware of what they're doing. So um, Alden, Gary, do, do most veterans know how to contact y'all to fight, to help? Like how, do, how, do, how does one find out about 
you know, they go to the VA and then it turned down or turned away and they don't, you know, what, what's the recourse? For us, um, most of our clients, because we're in a medical legal partnership with VA, if someone's receiving services from VA already, we ask them to have their VA clinician put in a referral. But for veterans who have a less than honorable discharge, they may not have a VA clinician to put in that referral because of all the problems we've talked about. Um, so in that case, they can just give us a call um, at 203-479-0375. And a member of our screening team will get back in touch with them within a couple of days and see if there's anything that we can do to help. And for the National Veterans Council for Legal Redress, we're a referral organization. Word of mouth has been great for us. However, we've advertised on WYBC. We join in at uh, military um, events like Stand Down and um, between the organizations like CBLC and Vet Center and even the VA itself, um, posting literature, disseminating information about who we are. We're currently headquartered at um, the Q House, a newly built Q House at 197 Dixway Avenue, New Haven, Yeah, I know it. Yeah. 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 So, I'm in New Haven. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's for the that's for you listeners. That's for you listeners. So, um, you, you know, you, you you touched on a couple of points. When the veterans are going through what they're going through, there's been a lot of nose and a lot of doors shut in their face. So they they're kind of not kind of they really are st stopped. They are stuck, and they don't search out our assistance so much because it's like what they've been getting it doesn't work anyways you know we already went through hurry up and wait inside of the military then out here uh because of my papers they would say um i'm no one's going to help me or no one can help me imagine having these same papers for 45 50 years you know come on now all of a sudden you're going to find help and um so i'm saying that that it's very how should i say it's 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 really community-based where someone's talking to someone and tell them about CBLC, uh, but she just told you how they are contacted or referred to, whereas ourselves, uh, it can happen out of those different ways I said in terms of, you know, they see us on our website or um, they see some flyers or someone tells them about them at a, a, an event or what have you. But uh, yeah. Hmm. So Alden, uh, so you do this work for the whole state of Connecticut, mm -hmm. that's right. Is there is there does each state have an equivalency, and is there um, a national component to this? Like, what's the what's the hierarchy? What's the org chart like? Yeah, so we are a Connecticut-based organization. We're the first medical legal partnership between a legal services program and VA, which means we. Um, are located in a couple of different VA centers around the state. So a veteran who's coming to the VA to get their, for their doctor's appointments or for some other purpose can also stop in and see their lawyer just on the same site. Um, more of these models are cropping up around the country. Uh, we're the original. And there are organizations um, around the country who do similar types of work, doing discharge upgrades, for instance. 
So if a veteran's listening and they're not located in Connecticut, but they're needing assistance, um, there are a few of those organizations. Uh, so for example, Swords to Plowshares in California, uh, the National Veterans Legal Services Program, which is based in DC, but can assist veterans nationally are just two examples, um, but there, there are more. Uh, Swords to Plowshares also has a resource on their website with different services by state. So they're not available in every state, but in many states, especially states with large veteran populations, there's assistance available. Mm. So before we go, um, uh, and I think you're about to say something, Gary, I, I want you uh, all the, and Gary to sort of um, invite the community to, uh, to do something. Um, how, how can people help? Because I know I'm gonna get these calls. How, how can we help? What can we do? What kind of a ra awareness raising can we do? What? I'll let Holden go first. Yeah, I was gonna say um, two things. So one is being aware. Um, being aware that there are veterans who have less than honorable discharges that you know, that are not dishonorable discharges, but these other than honorable discharges really complicate um, their lives after service. We know veterans with other than honorable discharges have higher rates of poverty, higher rates of dying by suicide, um, higher rates of untreated mental health conditions than other veterans. So looking out for the veterans in your lives and community is one thing a person can do. Um, another is letting your, your Congress people know that you would like the law to be more inclusive of veterans with less than honorable discharges. And fortunately here in Connecticut, our congressional delegation is very supportive of veterans, including veterans who got less than honorable discharges. Um, but continuing to let them know, like, yes, we would like the law to change. We would like the GI Bill Restoration Act to be passed so that veterans who are locked out of benefits um, can access them. We would like a law to be passed that requires VA to serve all veterans um, if they didn't get a punitive discharge um, and asking for more accountability from VA. We would like the Department of Defense to start upgrading, remedying those bad paper discharges from earlier and, and ask them to pay attention um, and to consider arguments based on race. And Gary, I know you'll have lots of other ideas as well. Well, no, you, you touched on the most effective ones in, in terms of it takes legislation to change uh, this conversation. Um, but first of all, I just want to acknowledge that everyone has a veteran in their life, be it their brother, father, mother, sister, cousin, what have you. So veterans are everywhere, even though it's a very small percentage of us. And uh, so I'm saying, first of all, check in, check in on them. You know, they're not going to come and tell you they're dealing with mental health issues. <laughs> you know, they are very private about their lives. So I'm saying, first of all, check on them and check in, check in with them as well. And then I say your personal contribution could be contacting your politicians and ask them what type of legislation is on 
the floor right now for veterans to move their lives forward. And I say first start with mental health because if their mental health is not together, they're, I mean, their limb could literally be falling off and they're not paying attention to that because they're, they're dealing with mental health issues. So check in with your politicians and see what they're doing for, for the veteran. Um, I say that uh, people should go and uh, review our website. It's uh, MVCLR, www.mvclr.org. I'll say that again, www.nvclr.org. And you can see that we've been in the trenches doing this ever since we were founded. Um, I have it that my brother, Conley Monk, a Vietnam veteran, that I used to call the poster child for PTSD, uh, dealt with this bad paper syndrome, I call it, for years, uh, I would say about 50 years, um, whereas he received his uh, discharge upgrade after fighting for 50 years. So going through, cannot use the system at the VA, couldn't even get his job back at the VA. Um, he epitomizes what the average veteran looks like in terms of we call bad paper veterans. And um, so once he had his discharge upgraded, as Alden had said, it set the precedent for other legislation to come through. And um, thanks to uh, former secretary of defense, Chuck Hagel, that created the memo that any veteran that's been determined to have PTSD or TBI related diseases, that they'll be given liberal consideration to have the discharges upgraded. And um, from there, um, the other organizations, or shall I say, military, Navy, Air Force, Army, Marines, et cetera, had lawsuits come at them because of discrimination. And um, there's a lot of intentionality. I mean, if you look at the big picture of the papers of how many melanated veterans receive bad papers opposed to the counterpart, uh, it's a blind person can see it. You really can. It's that big of a disparity. It's that big of a gap. And um, so now I'm saying all this to say, here we are now. The veteran is a veteran outside of the military. And we want the VA to be, and, and they're not going to do it, but we are requesting that they give out the information correctly when we finally get it you know freedom information act a lot of things uh it's it's mind-boggling how the things that the veteran has gone through and still cannot get their benefits from the va so i know i said a lot i, I just want to say I, I want each and every individual that can hear my voice to get involved with your veteran in your life and find out do they know about cvlc do they know about National Veterans Council? Do they do they try to get their benefits from the VA? And uh, meanwhile, again, organizations like CBLC and Yale Law School, uh, with other nonprofit organizations, are trying to put legislation on the table to shift the paradigm, so that, uh, of course, we can't change what already happened. But going forth, the landscape should look different. The guys, the veterans, should be briefed when they get out of the military. What benefits are available to them when they get out, as opposed to them having to go searching, uh, try to source where can I get this, and what happens when this happens. They should be a briefing when they initially get out. Thank well, you. Well, thank you. 
This has been an amazing conversation, Alden and Gary. I, I, I want you to come back because I think 45 minutes is just not enough time. And we're over time. And I know my producer is about to pull the pull the plug. But uh, I, I've enjoyed this. I find this quite illuminating. And I know people are finding it illuminating, too. So I would love to have you come back. Uh, I mean this. Come back and let's have a continue this conversation uh, because I think this is so necessary. So thank you for your time, both of you, this morning. And uh, I'm gonna connect with your people and see if we can get y'all back on so we get so we can talk about this more. Yes, please do. I would love to come back on and thank you so much. And I'll just add our website into the mix as well. It's ctveteranslegal.org. Um, and people can visit us there, follow us on social media. Um, we often have um, action items that we post. And you know, for both CVLC and NVCLR, um, your, dona your donations really help us provide the services that we do to veterans to keep them housed, help them get their VA benefits. And so thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. We'll be in touch and I'll have y'all back on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Harry, for giving me a little more grace. I'll see y'all tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, this is Babs Rawls-Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut, and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org.